Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Um, if you haven't been present for the last few weeks, um, God has been speaking to us in themes. And I wanted to let you know that this is not new. So this image is so what someone masterfully put together as how all the Bible connects to each other. So at the beginning is Genesis, at the end is Revelation, and you'll just see this gorgeous northern lights of all the ways that God connects how he speaks in his word. And I'd like to propose to you today that he is doing the same in how he speaks to his church today. Everything is connected he weaves this masterful story and patterns and themes through our lives and through the church's life. And if you have ears to hear, you can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And if you can't hear and you haven't noticed the patterns, you can ask him today to open your ears so that you can hear what he's saying because it's beautiful and it's powerful. And he wants to actually have a church that is alive and able to have authority. So, I would like to talk today about the five key, five keys, not the five keys, but five keys of the kingdom. Now, Pastor Rach and Pastor Des over the last few weeks have been talking about keys. The first one was forgiveness with Pastor Rach. And secondly, Pastor Des spoke about submission last week and being in the struggle. And I'll go over those in part through this message. But I want to share with you something that God has shown me over the last few years through uh, mentors that I've had and experiences that I've had with him and that are found in his word. And five keys are hidden in plain sight in the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to read for you the Lord's Prayer, and then I'm going to start in on what these different keys are that we have to actually be powerful and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth, first through our hearts and then coming out of us to the people around us. So Matthew 6, 9 to 13 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's a prayer almost every Christian knows by heart. And there are many ways to look at it. I really feel like the Bible is like a diamond. It's multifaceted. You can take verses and look at them from so many perspectives. So this is one perspective on the Lord's Prayer, and it's something that's helped me over the last particularly five years. So the first key to the kingdom is submission. And 
If we look at the statement, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, it signifies a looking up. We're looking at our Father in heaven, the Father who's higher than we are, the one that we would be compelled if we saw him to fall flat on our faces, kiss his feet, and do nothing but offer our hearts to him and our bodies to him to worship him. This is the heart of what submission is. It's the first key is that we look outside of ourselves and we look to our Father in heaven. And that position of our heart, that worship, that submission is coming into your rightful place in God's created order. God being the head of all creation, the Father of it all. And we are meant to be his images reflecting him, reflecting worship back up to him, and then reflecting wisdom and authority and honor and how to rule the world back into the world around us. That's actually our place, not to be subservient to anyone or anything but God. That's what submission is. So I, I want to just show you a, a short verse that shows how worship and authority or submission and authority are directly linked. So in Luke 4, 5 to 8, it says that the devil led Jesus up on a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What you worship, Jesus is ultimately saying, and what the devil understood is what you serve. Vice versa, what you serve or devote yourself to is truly what you're worshiping. They can't be separated from each other. So I'd like to read to you a quote from a theologian. His name's N.T. Wright. And he wrote this book. It's called The Day the Revolution Began. And the premise of this book is that the early church got something that we are completely missing. <laughs> that when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, that was big news. It meant everything in the world changed. And I wonder how often someone, including myself, who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, has considered a revolution begun in their life? Has anything changed since you profess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Has anything changed? Has a revolution begun in your world the way it did in the world when Jesus died and was raised? And N.T. Wright says this, when humans turn from worshiping the one God to worshiping anything else instead, Anything within the created order, the problem is not just that they do wrong things. They give to whatever idol they are worshiping the power and authority that they, the humans, were supposed to be exercising in the first place. Worshiping things other than the one true God and distorting our human behavior in consequence is the very essence of sin. Yeah. Powerful. What that's saying is that when you worship something other than God, you become a slave to that very thing. 
that you were supposed to rule over. So this is how it works. I just want you to see the image. Our Father in heaven, humans, everything else. (laughs) This is how God created the world to work. And he asked dirt people, I'm taking that from the Bible project, dirt beings to rule over all of creation under his direction. That is what you were made for. And to reflect all that glory back to him. Just, I'm, I'm just a reflection of Jesus. I'm just a reflection of God. That is the vision. That is who we are called to be. So as a kid, my family was very devout in reading the Bible and all of the things that go with that in Christian culture. And there was this little song that I listened to all the time when I had nightmares. And it said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will run away. And I would just repeat it over to like make the nightmares go away. Not really realizing the full ramification of what that verse is saying. It's saying, submit to God. So look to him. Do what he says. Stand your ground. And darkness has no hold over you. And then it goes on to say in James 4, come near to God and he's going to come near to you. And this is exactly what Pastor Des was talking about last week in, in the whole, not my will, but yours be done. She talked about go back to the garden again and again. You have a question, go to him. You have a problem, you go to him. You're thankful, you go to him. Come near to God. Have prayer with him. Share a meal with him. That's what that come near is talking about. It's that he literally wants to sit down with you and do life with you. He wants to share his goodness, his wisdom, his understanding, his revelation with you. And it says then to purify your hearts. That's where that verse leads. And that's the second key is that exchange. It's the your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a divine exchange that happens between us and God. There is a struggle, like many of us felt this morning. There's a struggle. Can I really offer this thing? Can I really do that thing that God has told me to do? But when we actually surrender to God's perspective and his way and his design for us, he trades us. He doesn't leave us with nothing. He gives us all beauty for ashes. He gives us everything that is good. And sometimes that looks like an exchange of slavery for freedom. Sometimes it's a vision instead of lost hope. It doesn't matter what the exchange is, but when we trade what we have for who he is, that gives us what we need to move forward. Number three, the third key is just to obey. And this is where we find in the Lord's Prayer, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said that his bread was to do the will of the one who sent him. If we are feeling exhausted and empty, perhaps it's not that we're just not meeting with God. Perhaps we're not doing his will. And we're tired because we haven't actually taken the bread he's given us and eaten it. Because the bread is the will, but it's also the sustenance to do the thing. You get what you need as you go to do it. 
you get what you need as you go to do it. And there's no getting around the daily bread. I mean, it feels like there's a mountain sometimes. Like, where do I start? A few of us sat around in my living room a few weeks ago, and we were talking about, like, how do we use this key that Pastor Rach was talking about? How, what are they? How do we use it? What do we do? It's overwhelming, right? There's so much that's wrong in me, so much that's wrong in the world. What do I do right now? And he gives us one thing at a time to do. He knows us. And that one thing often unlocks many things. Key number four, and Pastor Rach really, really covered this one a few weeks ago, but the key is the release and repent. So forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now this is like a two-sided key because sometimes you need to release your, uh, yourself and other people And sometimes it's you that needs to turn around, change the way that you think, and start being obedient. (laughs) Like, there's no way around that. And both can be hard. It can be just as hard to forgive yourself and let the grace of God wash you and clean you as it is to let it be that true for someone else. And so... The big revelation that I got when Pastor H was speaking a few weeks ago was this idea that Jesus modeled confronting the people that have hurt us. Now that is so ridiculous if you think about it, that God would ask the one who's been hurt to go to the one who has hurt you. And I was asking God about this. Why would you have the weaker one, the one who's been injured, the one who's in pain, have to confront the one, their, their abuser or their accuser or their offender. Why? And the problem with sin is that it deceives us. If you're deceived, you don't know what you're doing. You did at one point, but probably far down the line, you don't even realize that you've hurt or done anything. So the other part is, is that it's important to confront the person right away. (laughs) Don't let the time pass. And Jesus, what he did in modeling this is he left heaven and he confronted the world and said, you've hurt me. (laughs) You've hurt me. You're doing something other than what I made you for. You're proud. You think you know more than me. You injure other people that I've made. You dominate people. You won't forgive them when you do the same thing. And he left heaven and he came to this earth and saw humanity face to face. And if he did it, that means we must do it. And it's a powerful key to unlock the authority of God in our lives. You cannot be ruling over something that you're ashamed of or that you can't face. There's no way. So I want to camp on the last key today. And it's the key of renouncing. And the part of the Lord's prayer that this leads us to is where we 
ask our God in heaven who sees very clearly to lead us not in temptation or don't allow us to be led away into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I wanna read to you from 2 Corinthians 3. And this is what it says. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. That's a reality, whether we're experiencing that reality or not. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. That word renounce is a powerful word in the English dictionary. So this is what it says. It, it means to give up or put aside voluntarily. To give up by formal declaration. To disown. A synonym is the word repudiate, which means to reject as having no authority or binding force. To cast off or disown. So renouncing is very interesting because it starts in the creative power of your words. Because Jesus took the power of all darkness away. He defeated sin and death already with what he did on the cross. And it is our right, honor, privilege, and responsibility to enact that power. First, by publicly or Verbally announcing, confessing, this thing has no power over me any longer. None. It's done. It's nailed to the cross. Jesus dealt with this already. It's not mine anymore. It's not my inheritance. It's not my legacy. It's defined my family for years, but no longer I choose to be the one in my family line to stand the ground and say no more. It's done with me. What an honor that we don't have to live in the patterns of destruction any longer. This is what Jesus came for. It's what he came for, that we would be free people who can reflect his glory and his goodness right now. The kingdom is here right now. It's not some far off place that we're gonna dive into upon death. The kingdom is here now. It's here now, guys. So what are the shameful ways that we need to renounce? Oswald Chambers says, it's anything that you can't face or talk about. <laughs> That's pretty easy. I've had a lot of those things in my life. Just can't quite bear to get the words out or can't quite bear to see someone's face. It's shameful. There's a connection emotionally there. Or, or I just can't bear the thought of how deep that thing might go. And what it is, is we go on this journey that God's people showed us a pattern of in the Old Testament of we are delivered from Egypt, we're delivered from sin, we're delivered from death. We meet God at the mountain, we see him face to face, we worship or have the opportunity to worship him for who he is. And then 
we get the chance to face the giants, like Beth was talking about this morning. We go and we spy out the land. Oh, God, it's so good. Oh, my God, look at this. All over the place. Look at how big this fruit is. Oh, my goodness. The land is just bountiful, and it's so, I want to be there. But there are these giants that are possessing the land. And let me tell you, church, our souls are the promised land first. We have to take the pieces and the parts of who we are and the brokenness of what we've been and our family has done and how we've been fragmented and we get to go and slay that giant and slay that giant and eradicate that thing and renounce the former way so God can have his way first in my life and then I can share that authority with others that don't know him yet. So Paul makes this connection in 1 Corinthians 10. And it's a long passage, but if you can do your best to follow along and just hear Paul's words, okay? It's 1 Corinthians 10, 1 to 14. It says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. They drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. He's connecting the people of Israel from the Old Testament to the church of today. He's saying that they all experienced God. They all were provided for by God. They all went on the same journey, but he says this, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So these are God's people. These are not lost people that, you know, the pagans and the Gentiles. These are God's people that God was not pleased with. It says, do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Those are hard words, guys. He keeps going. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Idolatry is the temptation that is common to all mankind. It is human beings' propensity to raise something else up above our Father in heaven anything up above our Father in heaven. And it's common, he says, common to mankind. 
And we all have a way. We have the way that our family live, the way that things have been done, the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we do. We all have a way. And John, in one of his letters, talks about the fact that the world only has three cravings to offer, not even things to offer, cravings. So you can eat the food, but it'll never fill you. You can drink the water, but it'll never quench your thirst. You can do the thing or have it, it'll never satisfy you. That's what the world has. Pleasure, the craving for pleasure, the craving for possessions or what you see with your eyes, and the craving for power or to be in control. This is all the world's way has to offer us as human. And it is diminishing returns. The first bite is so good. My son and I made homemade ice cream. And I gave him like a really large portion. Like it wasn't right actually how much I gave him. And he ate the whole bowl and he was like, eh, the first bite was the best. And I was like, it's so true. There is nothing other than God his presence, and what he says for us to be doing that will actually ever fill us. And we can enjoy it. It gets better and better and better and better and better if we keep walking on the journey. That's God. And it's crazy because John actually says, the world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So Leo has something here that I'm going to just ask her to bring up for a second. Thanks, Leo. So I was walking up the church steps this morning, and this one lone beast was in the pathway. It's a giant weed. And at first glance, I, I'm not much of a gardener, but like I'm astonished how like three weeds can take over my entire front, but it looks like I have 15 things to pull. So look at this one root for all of this. And this is how idolatry works in us. There's a root of idolatry that plays itself out in, a multiple, in multiple ways in our lives. One root, idolatry, many ways. So the real, the true sin that God dealt with in the world was the idolatry of man. And then by putting God in his rightful place, that's true worship, which also produces many things. It's part and parcel. They go together. It's the same as when you're, I don't know if you have children and, um, they're sick and there's like multiple symptoms and you're like, what do they have? It's like they're barfing and then they have a headache and then they have spots all over them. But it's one virus, <laughs> one virus, many symptoms. This is what Jesus came to deal with. So we can try all we want to beat ourselves up and say, oh, I'm going to stop um, stealing. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going to stop sleeping with my boyfriend or girlfriend before I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stop being proud. I'm going to stop being hateful. It doesn't matter what the thing is. You can try as hard as you want, but if you don't get to the root of idolatry in your heart with God, you will just be ripping off the leaves and it'll just keep growing back bigger and badder all the time. And this is the last key, guys, 
It's the renouncing. It's I will place God on the throne. No other God before him. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I want to share a little story with you of my own life from very recently, the last few weeks. So Pastor Rach, actually, I'm going to backtrack a little. It has taken me a long time to get out of a very toxic place that I was in. You guys have heard, maybe heard me talk about this before. But about six years ago, I was not in a good place. I um, was definitely worshiping other things while claiming to worship God. I worshiped other people's opinions. I bowed to other people's direction for my life that they had no business telling me what to do. Um, I cared so much about what everybody thought except for God. And I've spent the last six years uh, slowly worshiping, obeying, renouncing, forgiving. But it all seemed like it was leaves. I'm just taking little leaves. And I asked God, I begged him the last time we fasted as a church, please show me the root, like the root, the root, the real thing. I need this eradicated from my life. I don't want to do another time around the mountain. I don't want to do another 40 years in the wilderness. Please show me. I begged him. I prayed. I cried. I was up 3.30 in the morning, multiple nights. And, and then Pastor Rach preaches this message about forgiveness, which I know about forgiveness. Like, I know about it. And she says this horrible thing that I have to face the person that has hurt me. I have to face them. And my heart starts beating in my chest. I was like, no, not that one. Anybody but that one. That one. I don't think I can do that, God. And knowing what I know about how to keep myself accountable, I blabbed what God told me to a couple people so that I would have to do it. And then I messaged the person on Facebook, whom I haven't seen in years. I said, hey, <laughs> uh, any chance we could talk? They messaged back right away. Absolutely, I'm here anytime you need it. I, I put it off for days and days and days. I just could not bring myself. Even the picture of their face on Facebook made me want to vomit. I, I could not look at their face. And I got in my car one morning and I went off to prepare for this message. And God was like, now, baby, now's the time. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to hold your hand. And I pressed the call button, the, the video call button, because he was very specific with me that I needed to see this person's face. I needed to face this person. And I saw their face and I started blubbering and bawling like a baby. And I could not even get words out of my mouth. I just could not even do it. I said, I'm so sorry. I thought I could do this. I thought I could face you. I thought I could do this. I don't know if I can. And the person waited like three minutes while I sobbed in front of them. And then I started to go into all the ways that this person had hurt and betrayed me 
And even after we had made amends years ago, they had done it again. And I was so hurt. And I said, and I am choosing to forgive you face to face. And let me tell you, the weight of the world came off my shoulders. I had a normal, civil conversation with this person. They asked me to forgive them, which they had never done in my entire history with them. We had this amazing talk. And I said, I just love you and I, I want nothing but God's best for you. And I hung up the phone and I was like, oh my gosh, it's done. I'm out of the cage. <laughs> I'm out of the cage. God answered my prayer. He showed me the root and he showed me how forgiveness unlocked that thing, but it had gone so much deeper. I had re renounced in the early minutes of the morning, I had renounced the way that my family had avoided confrontation for all of my life. How we had never stood up for truth when things bothered us. When it went against the word of God, we never had the guts to stand up and say, listen, this isn't right. The Bible says this, if it's a brother or sister, or I won't do that. That crosses my conscience. And so I renounced it first, verbally, and then I had to obey. And I am telling you, the key worked. It was so powerful, you guys. And I just, it was like this whole thing. It was like a revolution happened. It was done. No question asked anymore. And as I was preparing for this message, I got sidetracked by this video by the Bible Project that talks about Psalm chapter 8. And in Psalm chapter 8, David has been crying out for God to rescue him. He's helpless. He can't do it for himself. He needs God to restore him back to his place as king. And then in this chapter, he says this crazy line. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. And what God showed me is that my blubbering baby talk on that call was how God established his stronghold in my life where once an enemy had power over me. My blubbering baby talk, it truly was that. You don't have to be perfect or strong or have all the right words or any of that through the mouth of a baby, a babbling baby, God is praised and honored. And sometimes I believe that our praise and our worship in here has been cut short and hindered because of how we are worshiping and praising in our everyday lives. Maybe we're stuck on key number one and we're just not looking to God our Father at all. And we're just looking to ourselves and what we feel, we think, we want. Maybe we refuse to even get into the wrestle with God for his will or his exchange. And we're just like, it's not worth it to go there. So you're stuck at key number two. 
maybe you won't do the one thing that you need to do today that he's told you to do. And so when we come in here and try to praise and worship, it falls flat. And this is the thing about idol worship. When I prefer my comfort or my way over God's way is that there are these old gods of the ancient times. And a few of them are called Baal and Ashtoreth, okay? So these were gods that a pagan queen established in the temple of God's people. Now, Baal was considered the god of the earth, and people would sacrifice to him and worship him in order to have things grow and everything be good in the world. And Ashtoreth was considered the queen of heaven. And so they would worship her to see their fortune, what would happen, the patterns of the stars and all of, all of that. And the Bible said that when these idol gods were worshipped, that the heavens became brass and the earth became barren. So the very thing that they were trying to get by making sacrifices to other things and worshiping other things locked them in this box where there is nothing. Nothing's going up and nothing's growing up and we are just thwarted. And there is a third God there that they worshiped at this time. And his name was Molech. And Molech was the God that they sacrificed their babies to. And this happened all within God's people. And when we choose to worship anything other than the God of heaven, nothing goes up to him, nothing grows up from the earth, and our entire legacy and our children are sacrificed. When what I believe we truly want is for God's way, but it takes us using whatever key is in our hand, the place that we're stuck at, to open it up and begin to do the thing. The doing of the thing is just as much as of worship as the lifting of your voice. And so if you can't lift your voice, what is it that you need to be doing in your life? And that's where God's brought me to. And it's just a perpetual, beautiful infinity circle of never ending. Which spot am I in today, God? What new ground do you want me to take? What is dominating me and my family right now? Um, what new thing do you want to have power over? What new way do you want wisdom to come through me that I was foolish before? And that's what God's putting out to us as people. And the reason I wanted to share that story today with you is because in the book of Revelation, it is so clear that God's people triumphed over the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so it is important for me to share what has flowed out of these last few weeks for me because this is the answer. And this is what God is saying. If he's saying it to me, I certainly know he's saying it to the church because I'm part of you. I'm part of you. We're one. And so if you feel stuck and you want to keep moving forward, you can join with me and take whatever key that God is highlighting for you today. You can be a babbling baby along with me. Just throw your pride to the side. And if you don't know 
what to say right now, and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, he also gave you another kind of babble. It's called speaking in the Spirit. And when you do that, when you don't know what to do or where to start, he will reveal to you the next step. And I want to pray for you today, church, because he wants to give you whatever the next step is for you. And we've talked a lot in the past about getting on trains, how God has this crazy train that there's a platform. Many of us are chatting on the platform. The conductor's like, all aboard. And I, I saw this vision last Sunday night when we were all like worshiping together. And Dave, I think you'll like this. There's this train in the Arctic, Alaska, that has a glass roof. And this train just goes and you can look everywhere while you're on the train. And this is what God said to me. He's like, I've got a glass roof to train. I'm going to take you places with me. Don't you want to be done here? Wouldn't it be nice to move on? <laughs> it's not like you have to move on. I'm like, I want to move on. And now that I've tasted what it can be like, I'm like, oh, it's good. Let's go. Let's go on the train Let's go wherever he's going. And what I truly believe the word is for this church is that he gives you the ticket as you get on the train. So it's like this thing that happens all at once. You don't get the ticket until you take the step. It's like you got it and you're on. You just got to take the step and you got to do it and worship him as you go. Worship him as you step. There is nothing that you cannot do with God. No hard thing that you can't do. So I'm going to pray for you guys today. Sorry, I'm babbling a bit, but God, you are good. And right now, I thank you that you have given us the keys of the kingdom. This is our inheritance as your children. And I bless your church today. God, that they would, that you would bring up for them right now as they sit here and how they see with their eyes closed, how they hear from you, what they're feeling right now, Lord, that you would bring up the one thing, the daily bread today. And we come before you, as your word says we can boldly, with confidence before your throne of grace. And we submit to you, Lord. Lord in heaven, higher than every created thing, the one who has all the wisdom, all the power, all the glory forever. We choose right now to say, not what I want, not what I think, not what I feel, not what's comfortable, nothing like that, but what you want, Lord. And God, I pray that you would give your church the willingness to obey whatever you are telling them to do, how they can serve you voluntarily right now. This is a choice. God, and we renounce the shameful ways, the hidden things that we can't talk about and we can't face, Lord. The things that are so disgusting to us that we would have done or participated in or let happen or thought or did ourselves, God. And I choose to renounce 
and say that those things have no power over me anymore. And if you want to join in with me today and renounce that this thing, whatever it is, you can say it out loud in your seat. I renounce anger. I renounce unforgiveness. I renounce having no backbone. I renounce sexual immorality. I renounce abuse. I renounce addiction. Because of your blood, Jesus, I nail it to the cross where you wash it clean. And I ask you, Lord, right now that you would give your people an exchange because with your will comes your truth, comes your freedom, Lord. What do you have for your people today instead of those things? Lord, I speak your presence in their hearts that the things that have covered up your voice, God, that there would be space and time right now for them to hear your voice and see at the eyes of their heart, Lord, and hear everything that you're saying and doing. God, I declare freedom over this body, over your people, that we would represent you and reflect you as your images on this planet and that your kingdom would come to this earth, to this city, in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.